You are tuned into the Fox Motorsport Supercars podcast. But just before kickoff, I'd love to alert you all about a brand new product on the Fox Sports Podcast Network, The Splash. Hosted by myself, Phil Pryor, it's a short, sharp, Monday to Friday production looking at the Fox Sports website's major headlines, stories and part of the process too. Please search and subscribe. That's The Splash on iTunes and also Spotify now. Thanks for your attention. Now time for the show. This is the Fox Motorsports Supercars Podcast with your host, the Pit Lane Rogue. Welcome everyone to the post Pukekohe edition of the Fox Motorsport Supercars podcast. I'm your host, the Pit Lane Rogue, and joined today by Will Dale from foxsports.com.au. Welcome, Hi, Will. Thank you. And Will, talk me through your highlight from the Pukekohe round. Well, I guess the highlight's got to be the battle between the two title contenders, surely. It was on for young and old between Jamie and Scott, young Scott McLaughlin on the Sunday. It's great to see. It's what the sort of playing for keeps you want to see happening at this end of the year. Yeah. Uh, my highlight was purely the racing of Pukekohe. I love that circuit, and I love that it brings out, you know, good racing. And then even with the, you know, the, the new addition to the circuit a couple of years ago, it still produces that some nice, close, tight racing, which is awesome to see. Mm. Well, Will, unfortunately, we have a spot missing for us to, next to us today. We normally <laughs> have David Reynolds with us, and we joke around that he's either with us or he's on holidays or he's somewhere else and he's not with us so that can only possibly mean he's on holidays again uh so yes yeah, so david reynolds is is missing and uh off in la uh looking after his uh girlfriend tahan so dave if you're listening we'll, we'll try and keep up the uh there's gonna be less ble- bleeps this week which is good less work for us yes exactly <laughs> well, less work for you <laughs> well look, there was only one one man that we needed to speak to that we, we would like to speak, trying to get to all year. We eventually tied him down. Craig Lowndes, welcome to the podcast. No, thank you very much. Great to be talking to you guys. It's, uh, I, I was, I was going to say, it's been a kind of a tough year for you. How do you summate the whole year in general? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's no doubt that um, the year has been tough. We, we sort of started the season with a bit of confidence sort of on the end of uh, the back all towards the end of last year, but we sort of struggle with this new tyre, and, and I know we, as drivers that we talk about the tyre side of it, but it has been a, a big, bigger change than I think what most people would uh, would take on, and, uh, you know, it's a little bit wider, a little bit taller, a little bit heavier, and you don't think that that's going to really do a lot, but the structure of the tyre is different again, so it does make uh, all teams, drivers, engineers work differently and set the car up differently to make and get the goodness out of that tyre. And that's something that we struggled to do, in, in, in especially the qualifying side of it. I think there's no doubt that uh, race trim, we've been quite good, but uh, definitely trying to get that one lap out of it has been our Achilles heel. And um, you know, if you look at the uh, the year going on, it's, uh, that has definitely been um, uh, pretty evident. Is there a difference in feel for you from the cockpit when it comes to these new tyres? Is it a question of trying to get it into the window where it feels right for you, or is it... Yeah, I guess, yeah, looking at it from the perspective of someone who gets into their daily road car and doesn't really have to worry about things like getting the tyre getting the tire up for one quick lap to the office, just, like, how do you explain it to, I guess, the average fan? Um, oh, I suppose we, we talk about getting the tyre switched on. When I say that, it's getting the the rubber or the, or the, the compound of the tyre to actually activate and get the grip that we need to, to generate like lateral grip and braking and acceleration off corners and they're all the things that we, we work at uh, through practice sessions to get the car to work in every element not just uh, you know good braking and, and poor drive off the corner because you're never going to survive with the way the competition is so trying to get that tire to activate or switch on for that sort of one or two laps generally maximum two laps on any circuit that uh, you really need to, to get that lap time down. And, uh, um, you know, we, we've struggled. You know, I think if you look at probably where we've done our, our time in that run, there's always either been lap sort of three or four. It's taken us too long to switch that tyre on. And, and that's a combination of tyre pressure, um, you know, suspension setups, just, you know, really um, getting that rubber to impregnate into the into the bitumen and, and act, get, you know, get the grip that we need. By the time the second lap's done, you've lost the goodness of the tyre and that's 
you know, probably three or four tenths of a second for a lap, and that's although it may not sound a lot, that that's sort of five, six, maybe even seven rows on the grid these days. So it is something that uh, you know you've got to make sure that you get that side of the weekend right. As I said, our our um, our race car has been really good. We've I think we've uh, passed so many cars this year on the comeback of a bad qualifying. But uh, of course, you start too far. You start behind the eight ball. You start too far back, and uh, of course, you've got no hope of trying to win races. Well, that, that was going to be my next question is, you know, qualifying has kind of been your Achilles heel, not just this year, but, you know, for a while. What do you put that down to? Is it, uh, do you put that down to the tyres or do you put that down to a, a bigger issue somewhere along the line? Uh, oh, probably a bigger issue, to be honest. I think you're right. Like, in my whole career, I've, that, that's the weakness of my, my driving um, uh, in, in, a, in a nutshell. I think that uh, when we've qualified well, we've raced well, we've, we've had podiums, we've won races... Uh, but when we've, you know, generally, you know, uh, 60% of the time that we, you know, we're starting too far back, and that's something that, uh, for me, whether I'm just too kind on the tyre and not not generating that that sort of grip or switching on that tyre fast enough. Um, as I said, long distance races, which is what I've always loved. I love Bathurst, you know, the Sandown, even the Gold Coast now, because you've got an opportunity to to come back from a poor qualifying. I think there's no doubt that. Uh, once you have longer races with strategy, fuel consumption, everything else, all the other elements that go into it, you know, we, we're quite strong, and that's that's something that uh, you know I've uh, I've always been good at, and I think that uh, you know definitely sprint races uh, we struggle at because you know you got to get again switch that tire on, get it working from lap one, and uh, and, and hopefully you survive the rest of it. But uh, um, it's something we're working on, um, and, and, and saying all that, you know, we are working on it. Irish or John, Johnny McGregor, my engineer. He and I have been working really hard for the last, well, since Bathurst, to be honest. And uh, I think that uh, you know New Zealand was definitely a, a big step forward for us. Although obviously the, with the cancellation on the Saturday, uh, we didn't get to show what we did, and we, had, we made a little mistake on Sunday. But we still started uh, in uh, you know 12th on Sunday and the 10th on uh, 10th on Saturday. Uh, we definitely moved forward from where we've been. You talk about working with Irish. This is your first full year of working with him as your race engineer. How's that relationship gone over the course of the year? You two, are you feeling really comfortable having him on board? And is that a relationship that will continue into next year? Uh, absolutely. Definitely next year. There's no doubt about that. And I think that, uh, for me, the consistency is the key. Uh, you know, the last four years, or actually now five years, I've had five different engineers. So going into next year, definitely having that consistency and uh, uh, for me, that relationship with an engineer that you need to make sure that, you know, if I talk about understeer or oversteer, he can calculate whether that's a lot or less, you know, where whereabouts in the corner. And, uh, you know, he he's probably our, our sort of rookie of, of uh, our engineers in, in, in the Triple Eight sort of team, but what he lacks in experience, he definitely gets with enthusiasm. He's definitely young and keen and he's eager. Um, he's thinking outside the box, uh, you know, which is great for us as a team because you sort of sometimes you get set in your ways and you just don't look outside the square. And uh, you know, Irish is definitely doing that. I think that will benefit Triple Eight as a whole. Um, there's no doubt about that. But uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to next year. We've already spoken and said that uh, you know we've got now obviously one round remaining. But you know, since Bathurst, as, as I said, that you know we've been focusing on next year. Like, let's finish this year on a strong note if we can. Uh, but really hit the ground running when we get back to Adelaide, the streets of Adelaide. With so many engineers in the last couple of years, is that a, f- a sense of frustration for you? Do you kind of lose one and go, oh, man, I've, there's another one gone, I've got to kind of start again from scratch? It, well, it is, and, we, and I don't, we don't, we're not flipping or we'll joke about it, but it's like a marriage. Like, it, it really is. It's something that, uh, you know, we all have good days, bad days, you know, get, 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 get to the track and... You know, you've got either got a stomach bug or, you know, you're not confident. You know, you, got, you haven't got, uh, uh, I suppose, the enthusiasm or whatever it may be. But they've got to understand that, accept that, and, uh, you know, and vice versa. You know, as me as driver, that, you know, if, if he's having a bad day or, or he, you know, he doesn't have the, the, have the clarity of, of what he wants to do and what changes he wants to make, well, we've got to work together. And that's definitely like a relationship and, uh, you know, uh, over this 12 months, you know, Irish and I have definitely got a better bond. Um, you know, he definitely understands me a lot better than what we what we had towards the end of last year. And uh, you know, you know, New Zealand was the first track that we went back to that we had raced previously together. And I think that uh, you know, really for me, that's that was a good indication of where we were last year. And I was going through my notes as we went through Pukekohe 
you know, we qualified, I think, 21st, uh, 18th and 19th last year. You know, as I said, this year it was uh, a different format, but, you know, we qualified 10th and 12th, and we definitely have moved forward. We, we had some strong results in, in uh, on the Sundays, especially, like finishing 4th, just a one step off the podium. You know, we have definitely come a long way in 12 months. So... So with that in mind, and you know, and I don't mean to harp on the point. I'm trying to get to something here. Is there, what do you, t- what do you and Roland talk about when you go through that many engineers? Is Roland like, look, I'm sorry, but this is the way it has to be, or is it, is there a positive spin on on all that? Uh, there's always a positive spin. I think that you know, it's never an easy discussion to have, uh, especially all the years that I've been involved in supercars. Uh, uh, you know, losing an engineer at the end of a season is always very difficult because. A, you want to work out who is replacement, uh, who who is the replacement, what their experience is, and, and how you're going to get that bond back. And uh, you know, uh, Shippy was my last engineer, and oh, sorry, besides, you know, I went from Shippy to, to Ludo, um, and that was something that uh, for me, Ludo wanted to step in once I knew that. I, uh, sorry, Shippy had wanted to move on to work with uh, Shane, and that was, you know, I, you know, I gave him uh, all the blessings and uh, you know, wished him luck, and hopefully we can beat him on track, but. Having Ludo last year was had its own challenges uh, in the sense of the language barrier and uh, you know just the sort of having that bond and that switch and I think that uh, you know you know not to talk out of school but you know talk to Scotty uh, now and you know at times he's finding it difficult to understand Ludo but that's you know that's just one side of of, of Ludo he's a very smart engineer he's very clever in what he does he also thinks outside the square and uh, you know again. Once uh, we knew he was moving on, Irish stepped up, and uh, you know you got to start that relationship all over again. So, uh, Roland has been very good, very clear, very open with uh, with all these discussions, even renewing to stay with the team. Uh, you know, he basically puts out his plan, um, and that's it. And that's what he's going to offer. It's not not a counter offer. It's not a not an extension or in sense of uh, you know we'll, we'll do this and we'll you know, but we'll think about it later down the track. This is it. This is black and white, and uh, you either accept it or you don't. He's he's very much a clear cut person. It's probably the biggest change at Triple Eight in the past few years, though, involves the expansion to three cars. But for many years, it was because for many years it was just you and Jamie at Triple Eight. You you two were the main guys. Now with SVG coming in there, with a couple of years down the road, how has that changed the dynamic within the team? And I guess what has he brought to the team? In that 24 months, how is the team different now to what it was back at the oh, end of well, 20? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah. I was going to say that you know he brought a championship to the team, which was fantastic for their first year of um, you know Grant McPherson and he working together. This year, he struggled a little bit, um, but you know what he does bring is obviously uh, you know performance. Uh, you know we know how how good he is in the wet, which I'm surprised to hear that uh, when we're in New Zealand that he doesn't actually like driving in the wet, but he is a very good <laughs> uh, wet weather driver. So. Uh, you know, he does bring that. He does bring a different element of, of uh, thinking of setups and cars and driving style. We all have a unique um, DNA of how we drive, and that's something that uh, uh, you know you, you learn from an early age. And uh, you know, he definitely drives differently to both. I suppose Jamie and I. Jamie and I have been together now well over a decade, and uh, you know, we probably migrated closer together as a driving style. Where Shane still has a different sort of. Uh, way of thinking and looking at things, which is great. Um, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just a different way of looking at it, uh, which also gives the team, uh, obviously, a challenge to, to get the car right, uh, to work at it. And, uh, and and what he learns, we benefit from it too. So he's, um, you know, uh, you know, a different personality to Jamie and I. But uh, in saying that, you know, to expand to three cars was always going to be difficult. Roland always said that if he was going to do that, which he said he never would, um, <laughs> that it wouldn't uh, interrupt or, or hinder the, the you know the other two cars. The third car being in place would, would just be seamless and sort of carry on. And I think that uh, you know we've been able to show that. I mean, it must be good having someone who's who's still. I mean, SVG's been around the category a long time. I mean, I can remember his debut at Oran Park many, many years ago. But he's still got that, that, a lot of that youthful experience. So it must be good for to have him around personality-wise to, to kind of, about not you know, with you, you and Jamie being in the category also for, for so long. Oh, absolutely. I think it's, you know, you know change is, is like a holiday. And, uh, you know, to, to learn that when, when SVG was joining the team, I think it was great. I think everyone uh, 
uh, you know, was excited. I think, that, as I said, no doubt his, his driving capacity or his ability is, is uh, you know, is not questionable. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, how how he fitted into the team. And I think he fitted in very well, very quickly. And uh, and as I said, you know, won, won a championship last year. And, uh, you know, he's in the top four of this year, which is, uh, you know, probably further back than when he, he'd hoped for. And, uh, you know, but in saying that, he, he's won races this year. He's, he's pushed the team to, to newer heights. Um, so I, it's, it's just an added uh, benefit that the Triple Eight has now in in this in the sort of the the stalls of uh, of the driver lineup, and uh, you know I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, you know next year because we all obviously got to face a new car or a new shaped car. So that's something that uh, for me is exciting. Uh, but but you know to expand to three cars was always going to be a big undertaking. I've been in other teams previously with it hasn't worked having three cars. Uh, and and you know, I suppose there was a concern at one point, or you know, at that time about how it would would expand seamlessly. And uh, you know, as I said, it, it's uh, you know, track results now show that it has been able to do that. And uh, you know, and we operate very much as, as a one collective team. We touched on there about the upcoming ZB Commodore. How's that program coming along? We saw the photos from young Jake Kostecki on Instagram yesterday. The car was out doing a bit of aero testing at what. Uh, think looked like Stanthorpe Airport again. How's it coming along in the background? Uh, well, to be honest, uh, they, yeah, they've actually gone down to Canberra uh, to do the oh, aero wow. testing. Um, so it's, um, uh, yeah, something that, uh, you know, the car is coming along uh, nicely. Uh, I haven't actually physically driven the car as yet. Uh, I was earmarked to, to, to do it at, uh, to do the shakedown, but uh, it was delayed. So uh, for me, I'm, I'm excited, like everyone else, sitting back hearing what's going on. Uh, you know, I spoke to Irish yesterday. His comments was that the car is working well. Uh, it, it's in the sort of the range that uh, we hoped or predicted it would be with with the rear wing and everything else. So, again, I think that uh, you know, for us as a team, it's a, it's a another another sort of uh, tick for us to be able to produce a car that and a brand new car with aerodynamics. Um, and I've got to say that uh, you know, a lot of people put the aerodynamics to our previous car down to Ludo. Um, you know, this one has been a completely uh, ex Ludo design, and I think that uh, you know for us it's great to be able to continue that performance on. Uh, obviously, it's still got to get the tick of approval from supercars and and, and uh, you know get the homologation that uh, we need, obviously, to to run the car next year. And I'm sure there's no doubt that all Holden teams out there are very keen to to get all the facts and figures uh, about what what's going on. But uh, yeah, little uh, uh, Kostecki is uh, doing a great job for us, uh, you know, doing the aero testing. So. Um, you know, I'm really positive about next year in the sense of having that car. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, I've seen the car build over the last sort of six months um, getting produced and uh, being part of that side of it was, was really exciting. I guess there's been three massive programs that Triple Eight's undertaking this year when you look at developing the aero for the new car, developing the V6 turbo engine, as well as running the 2017 race program for three cars. Has that, has that hurt? Triple Eight's performance, do you think, over the course of the year? Like, obviously, the, it's been an impressive year results-wise, but do you think there could have been a little bit more there if you were just focusing on a 2017 program? Oh, look, I'm sure that uh, we could have done it better. I'm sure that uh, you know, if other teams had done it, probably would have done it worse. It, 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 that that is a good question because uh, uh, you know, really for us as Triple Eight, Roland is always uh, uh, you know taken big bites out of uh, out of the, sort of the apple and uh, never taken small ones. You know, we've always been under pressure about uh, producing new race cars or developing new things. Um, you know, this is just another another sort of uh, uh, step in, uh, in in the process. I think that uh, you know it's great that uh, uh, you know Triple Eight as a team has taken on the factory holding backing. Uh, I think that's uh, you know with part of that, it's obviously the undertaking of. Of producing the next generation Commodore, and uh, you know, Roland's, uh, you know, in a sense, thrives on that side of it. The workers at the team, they wouldn't be there if they didn't enjoy the, the pressure or, or the challenge. And I think that uh, uh, really for all of us, it's, uh, it has been a, uh, you know, a, a very busy sort of six months to get obviously uh, the new car up and running. Uh, the ZB is uh, something that uh, I think has, has given people a bit of uh, you know, in, enthusiasm within the team because we're not doing the same over and over again. We're, we're designing and building a new, a new new shell or a new car. Um, but it's uh, you know, uh, no, I don't think it's it, to be honest to answer the question. I don't think it's really hurt or hindered our 
our race program or, or what we do in development and that side of it. I think it's just uh, you know, really excited people within the in the team to be able to, to, to do and learn other things outside of uh, our current car. And I think that's, uh, you know, that really is uh, is something that Roland has been very good at of managing that side of it, especially when we have uh, undertaken big projects uh, over the last sort of 10 years. I was there at, at Bathurst listening to the, the ZB running around with the, the V6 in it and, you know, in the, hanging around the media centre, gauging people's interests. It actually sounds a lot better than I had originally thought it was going to. It, 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 it sounds great. Yeah. It really does. Like, it, it, must, oh, it must be yeah, good absolutely. for you to, to, to hear that and go, we're okay. You know, change is uh, not that bad. Well, yeah, it, it's no different to when supercars dropped the V8 supercars and everyone was sort of questioning why that was and... Then we introduced other manufacturers into the category. And, and again, you know, I've been lucky enough to be part of the, the uh, uh, supercars and to see uh, big changes. And, uh, you know, when we, when we were first talking about going away from the traditional forward and hold battle, um, you know, bringing other manufacturers in, everyone at the time was like, no way, no, it's got to stay the way it is, you know. And, and of course, you know, we introduced um, Nissan, Mercedes and Volvo. And, of course, you know, the racing didn't change. We had other manufacturers involved. Um, you know, I, I probably could talk on what I've I've seen as it was still a, a big benefit to and and a and a positive going forward. Um, this is just another stage of that, and I think there's no doubt that uh, you know I've been lucky again that uh, you know I get an opportunity to drive or hopefully race next year a uh, uh, part of a, a turbo engine because you know I grew up watching you know Group A, Group C. Um, you know, and when the Nissans were out, the Ford Sierras were out, but I never got to race one or drive one. So I get that opportunity because all I've done, all I've done since I've been part of Supercars is, is race a V8. So it is exciting time. Um, I'm I'm really happy that uh, you think that uh, you know the sound of the car is uh, is is better than what you you had uh, had probably thought or, or expected. And uh, you know, I was the first to drive the car, the V6, um, down at uh, Norwell, and uh, you know. It was crazy times because uh, we had no we had no idea what to expect. We had our expectations, but uh, we didn't know what to expect. And, uh, and I remember uh, Mark Dutton saying to me, uh, "You know, you're the first to drive it out of uh, out of pit lane." And with anger, it had obviously been run and started. But uh, they followed me with, a, uh, with another Commodore wagon with uh, fire extinguishers and four people in the car. <laughs> Just didn't know whether it was going to catch fire, blow up, or what was going on. I wasn't sure at the time whether they trying to get rid of me as a driver. <laughs> I was the lucky one, but um, it ran fine. We've done, as I said, you know, we've done over a thousand kilometres on on the engine now. The reliability seems to be there. Obviously, the drivability. Um, you know, we're still working on with the turbo lag. Uh, but yeah, what what uh, you saw at Bathurst with Merth driving around uh, is the engine. It's, it's got the horsepower. There's no drama about that. It's just a matter of uh, getting into a proper car and uh, and doing some uh, proper testing. So is there a possibility that you could potentially race that engine sometime next year as opposed to it being run as a wildcard entry? Uh, not sure at this stage. Uh, you know, my belief and understanding is that uh, you know, we'll start next year in a V8 uh, program and, uh, and we'll run, run it with a new body show. Uh, but as the year goes on, who knows what's going to happen. It's, uh, you know, the, the, the things we do know is that, yeah, we, we hope to run it in some wildcard events during next year, which, is, uh, which will be great to have... Uh, the engine out there running around for people to see and hear because uh, you know it definitely sounds better live than what, what you do on you hear on the on the sound clip so uh yeah look who knows what's going to happen I, i'm excited though to, uh, to be part of the program and, uh, and and to actually finally drive one i think that uh, you know it, it's exciting times so given that kostecki has you know done a lot of miles in testing and all that sort of stuff is he likely to do the wild card races next year the one thing we know about Roland is he keeps his cards to his chest very closely. <laughs> and uh, it's the one thing we have not got out of him. Because uh, normally you, you get a bit of uh, feel or a bit of you know, rumours running around the team of what's going on, who's going to do what. Um, I can honestly say that we don't know who the driver will be, but we know that it obviously it's going to make an appearance during next year. But, um, you know, look, it'd be great for Kurt to, uh, to have a go at it. He's done the, the, the majority of the miles in the car. Uh, with the aero testing and everything else, and uh, you know he's a great young talent. Uh, obviously, running in the Super Twos and uh, running his own team, but uh, yeah, look, I don't, I'm not sure. I think that uh, uh, I, I see it as a positive. Whoever is going to drive it next year will be uh, be a lucky one because it is something that uh, you can say, you know, in time that uh, you were part of the big change in supercars. Well, the next race we all go to is the season finale at a brand new location in Newcastle, brand new track, still under construction. 
no one's going to get a chance to race at it or drive on it in anger before Friday practice begins. So what does Triple Eight do to prepare for a brand new circuit that you can't you can't go to? Like what uh, what can you do before it gets you get on the ground? Yeah, look, it's good, good. Yeah, like great. Like you know, I, I find that really, it's really exciting. It's, it's no different to Homebush or when we went to Texas or um, you know the Middle East. You know, you go to a new track that uh, you got no previous data, no information, no no history from. You can't rely on or, or, or look back on notes about what you struggled with to, to obviously uh, fix the next year. So it's exciting times because it really just comes down to drivers getting the best out of themselves with the car they've got and then but working with the engineer to make the car better. And there's no doubt, and I have uh, no qualms in saying that by the time we start practice one to when we when we you know, hang the hat up on Sunday night, that uh, you know the cars will be much quicker. Uh, you know, drivers will find better ways for lines, braking, cornering. Um, and it's an exciting time. You know, I've been one of the lucky drivers to be down there a number of times as the, uh, from the announcement to the fan day to, to being down there three weeks ago to, to being part of uh, uh, the luncheon for the launch and, and really to see the development and, and uh, the infrastructure that's gone on over that time has, has been really incredible. I think there's no doubt that uh, uh, it will be a fantastic track. The, uh, you know, uh, I think the aerial shot from turn two all the way down the, the beachfront there will be no different to what we see at the Gold Coast. Um, it will be spectacular. It's, you know, they're talking fast numbers, quite a fast-flowing circuit. Um, you, know, I, you know, we have uh, people going up there, obviously quite regularly as, as part of Triple H, to you know, make sure that we understand the, the bitumen surface and, and, and try to relate that to other tracks that we go to so we know what sort of grip level we're looking at. Um, obviously, the uh, the contour of, of corners, you know, the crowning of roads, because it is a street circuit. So everything we we look at uh, Adelaide, uh, Townsville, you know, anything like that with crowning of the roads, white lines, manholes, anything to do with anything, we will obviously write down and we'll, we'll try and absorb as quick as we can. But uh, like anyone else, uh, we'll get down there quite early. We'll walk the track you know, probably a number of times to uh, to get our head around it. Uh, and you don't really get a true indication of what the track will be in the sense of the layout until they start putting the barriers up, putting the curbs in and, and, and really understanding how much road we've got to play with. But uh, the only thing is, as I know, is it's going to be really exciting to get down there. It is going to be a championship decider. Uh, there's no doubt that it's going to be the Scotty-Jamie show. And, uh, you know, of course, it's, uh, you know, their big, uh, you know, uh, uh, big basically, uh, results are going to, uh, you know, to benefit uh, some big, big ends to the season. No, I think I read suddenly uh, something overnight that said that Mark Dutton had already been down to Newcastle recently to have a look around and grab some notes. Have you two compared notes on the on the those circuit that circuit? Um, yeah, I think that uh, there's no doubt. As I said, that uh, we we're sort of you know, going down as much as we can, and uh, every time any one of us go down there, that uh, we we bring back information or photos, and, uh, and then like all teams, I'm sure, especially being the championship on on. Uh, on the line, it's uh, you know we need to get everything we can, and and, uh, and basically that's what we're looking for. So uh, yeah, we we will uh, get as much information we can prior to the weekend. But there's nothing like getting down there early and, uh, and really uh, you know understanding what we've got to deal with, and that's really all it's going to take is get down there, do do track walks, understand it. But as much as we can get information um, right now is, is going to be beneficial. Uh, no different to when Shane went back to New Zealand and looked at Pukekohe looked at the resurfacing of, uh, of the back straight and everything else, trying to get our head around what we think grip level will be and, and how smooth the track will be, consideration of what it was the year before. So as a driver, what's how do you go about learning a new track? I mean, ultimately, you roll out there with on Friday morning with kind of a blank canvas in terms of how fast you can go into a corner, how what gears to use. What's, what's the sort of process? Uh, well, that, that's the bit I find exciting. I think there's, uh, you know, the unknown of uh, you're pushing yourself every lap to go deeper, to go stronger through corners, flow it better, uh, look at different lines. We'll be obviously analysing in-car fi- uh, footage every time we drive the car. And, uh, you know, again, the benefit of having three cars in our, in our stadiums at, uh, or our four, um, stables that, uh, you know, we can then look at our other, you know, Shane and Jamie's in-car and, and seeing if they're doing one part or a section of the track better than I am. So, uh, you know, we'll definitely be analysing the, the, the in-car and footage as quickly as we can when we're down there. But before that, it's just a matter of trying to relate it to other circuits and, uh, and get it, uh, you know, something or, or hopefully the car set up somewhere in, you know, 80% right that we, uh, you know, we're not uh, fighting the car set up as well as trying to learn the track. There's something you said about braking then, 
just re- just reminded me the you had a few break dramas at Bathurst with the late change to the Project Mu pads. Has that all been? Wh- I guess what what was the drama you were having, and has that largely been resolved by going back to the other spec? Uh, yes and yes. I think that uh, <laughs> the short answer is that it's uh, yeah we had some issues at Bathurst. Um, anyone that was running on the PFC pad. Uh, obviously, the disc is the same for everyone across the board, so it wasn't a disc um, issue in the sense of um, that side of it. It was just basically the, the brake pad that uh, that we use or we were using at Bathurst. It was it was you know generating too much you know sort of heat bite and, and cracking the disc at Bathurst with the high speeds. And, and you know people got to appreciate that Bathurst you know you're doing close to 300 kilometres an hour, which is very rare to what we do in most other tracks. Yeah. 250, 260, um, but close to 300 kilometres an hour and trying to break it down into the chase um, is a different sort of scenario. And, and and it only seemed to be that pad that was, was causing an issue, uh, which hence why we, we, we went uh, or we moved to, to the other, other brake pad, which is a pad that I, I've used in the past. I don't really feel comfortable or, or happy on it. it. It's a very bitey pad, um, easy to lock up a tyre, which hence, you know, if you look at Bathurst, the first opening stint, you know, I had a number of uh, lockups. You know, ran off down into turn one. Uh, just wasn't comfortable in, in the wet conditions with that brake that brake um, package. So, for me, it was uh, you know it was a catch twenty two because you're not confident under brakes. You're not then braking harder. You're not generating tyre temp, which means the wet, wet the wet tyre wasn't gripping up or, or, or uh, uh, rubbering up. And then of course uh, you know it, it, as I said, a catch twenty two. You're not you're not generating the grip which then you're not getting the confidence on the brakes and it's just going around and around in a cycle, which why we our performance at Bathurst was, was poor. And, uh, you know, it's, it was a shame that we had to do what we did. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously from the Gold Coast onwards, we've gone back to what we've, uh, what we've previously run and, uh, you know, obviously a lot, lot more happier in the car and uh, in, in the braking side of it comes to us. So that's something that's uh, no different to the Dunlop tyre why we went back to last year's tyre at Bathurst. Leading in, we had obviously issues at Phillip Island and other places that uh, Dunlop were concerned about the, the long, high-loading uh, forces that we put on the tyre at Bathurst that uh, we opted to go back to last year's tyre, which proved to be the right choice. So it's time from time to time the category uh, does things that uh, unfortunately doesn't necessarily work for you, but uh, but for the safety element and uh, aspects of the, of the whole category, it has to be done. Now, the last couple of days, you've been on Red Bull Athletes Camp. What What is Red Bull Athletes Camp? How you, I saw a couple of photos on social of you hanging out with all these other Red Bull athletes, and uh, how's that gone? Uh, it was really good to catch up with a lot of uh, you know the athletes that, that Red Bull have in their sta- stables, and uh, you know from snowboarders to to BMX riders to skateboarders, um, surfers, um, surfer. And uh, you know, I shared a room with uh, with Mick Fanning, and uh, you know, it was great to uh, to be able to share uh, information and, and knowledge about what we do, how we go about our our chosen sport. Um, besides all that, we we did some uh, training activities that uh, you know we all sort of do, uh, which is all different from you know. Again, we uh, we all do different things. Um, Courtney Ackerson, obviously the runner, and uh, uh, you know what he and how he trains to. Um, you know, to Johnny Duran, who obviously the hand glider, who, who doesn't train a lot, but um, he has a lot of fun. And uh, you know, but his navigation and his mental uh, strength about what he does is, is again different to what I do. So, we spent the last uh, three days down at uh, Byron Bay and, uh, and and really getting into not only just uh, sharing the stories and everything else that we all um, undertake, but it's uh, also, as I said, the training, um, working with the Red Bull um, head office here about social media about. Uh, uh, you know, breathing and other breathing techniques that, um, you know, the specialties that, that, you know, the good thing about Red Bull has that they've got, um, you know, the ability to reach out to some really special people that, uh, you know, in special areas um, that, uh, you know, we did some breathing, uh, underwater breathing in, in the local pool down there. And, um, you know, that was, uh, you know, different for me. It was something that I don't normally do. Uh, but again, you know, you take the goodness out of it. You take the benefit from it. Uh, you know, for example, that, you know, we're basically learning how to hold our breath and using our full capacity of our lung um, volume that we don't normally do because we just breathe in and breathe out. We don't use the full capacity of our lungs and uh, you know techniques to, to to expand that to to learn how to do that. So then obviously you know, looking at mental strength about going into race weekends um, and for me race weekends, but whether it's uh, you know McFanning or uh, you know 
anyone else, uh, Jess Fox, that, uh, you know, going into their chosen sports, that uh, how they approach it, how to be calm, how to be, you know, very clear and being in the present and uh, and really just working on techniques for you that works for you, not necessarily that works for everyone else, but things that work for you. That sounds like a like an awesome couple of days to hang out with all those people and, uh, you know, learn out learn from them as well. Oh, absolutely. As I said, we're all different. Uh, you know, yes, uh, yesterday morning we, uh, you know, we went out surfing. Uh, you know, Mick's got his own now boards out there and, uh, you know, he took us all out surfing and I've got to say that I, I really really must be a fantastic race driver because <laughs> I think I got up I got up about one uh, for about three seconds but uh, you know but it was just fun to hang out with uh, with other different athletes and what they do and they travel the world doing what they do and uh, uh, and, and as I said sharing stories and, and, and how they do things how they approach things you know, you know how they overcome injury because you know again I'm very fortunate that we obviously got a cage around us that we don't have a lot of uh, high injury but uh, of course uh, you know all the others uh, you know, have had uh, ankles and knees and shoulder reconstructions and how they overcome that, how they bounce back, how they train for it. So it has been great to be able to do that through Red Bull that we're able to do it. And uh, you know, Shane came down for the day, and uh, you know, which was really good for him before he's, he's now nicked off over to New Zealand uh, for the last uh, round of the GT race. So it was good to be able to, you know, to, to basically um, you know, interact with other, other athletes in, in different fields. Now, I want you, before we let you go, look into your crystal ball for me. We're going to Newcastle. There's 30, 30 points difference between the top two. Win Cup, McLaughlin, who wins? Good question. I reckon it's going to come down to qualifying. I think that uh, the mental strength is going to test both of them. I think there's no doubt that uh, Jamie's been there before. He's probably better prepared in that side of it. But, uh, you know, Scotty's young. He's, e- he's eager and keen to, to obviously get that number one on the door. It really is going to come down to qualifying. Practice is going to be obviously one part of it, but uh, it's really going to come down to who out-qualifies each one. I think that uh, if Scotty can get on top of Jamie in qualifying, that's going to be a mental positive or a gain over Jamie. But vice versa, if Jamie can get on top of Scotty in qualifying, that's going to be a mental gain as well. So it really is going to hinge on the qualifying as- um, aspect of the weekend because the race will sort itself out. But you know, it's really going to come down to... to uh, making sure that you, you out qualify or out practice that uh, you know that person. So I think we'll get a good indication through practice. But qualifying is the one for me. That uh, whoever qual- out qualifies the other one, I think I reckon you put money on for the championship. <laughs> well, I was going to say that that's an interesting point because with the you know we've gone you know we've gone from the 2016 tyres to the 2017 tyres. We know Scotty's good on the 17 tyres and Jamie's good on the 16 tyres. So. You know, and uh, McLaughlin's been good at the, you know, at qualifying the last, you know, for most of the year. He's got the, the pole award, but he just hasn't been able to convert it for race wins. And Newcastle's the great unknown, so who knows? It's anyone's guess. But uh, and, that, that, and you're right, and I mean, that, that's the beauty of it at the moment. Like, you know, we haven't had a championship so close, and it's so unpredictable. Um, the whole season's been like that. You look at look at the start of the season, the end of the season. That you know, we've had multiple winners. I know Scotty's dominated in, in, um, in qualifying, as you said. And, but he hasn't produced race wins, and I think that uh, you know you look back on the season; it's been a crazy year. You know, we've had some you know great races, different winners. Um, you know, and you don't put uh, you know wouldn't put a pass to you know uh, the Walkinshaw Racing guys or even a, a Gary Rogers. You know, they're, they're a, they've got a bit of a specialty in street racing because this is a street element race. It's not nothing to do with a, a permanent track. This is a very different beast, and uh, you know look at the guys that do well on street circuits. Um, I reckon you might even get an upset. It may not be just Jamie and Chancho in the sense of uh, race win. I think you know they'll be definitely zeroed in on, on for the for the championship. But uh, you know I wouldn't put it past a, you know as I said another team to come up pop up get some wins. All right, Sal. Well, thanks for your time today on the Fox Supercars podcast. It's uh, no problem at all. It's been fun. And uh, next up, we'll bring in Lewis Isaacs, freelance motoring journalist. Hello, everyone. Goodbye, Craig. <laughs> Welcome along. Thank you very much. It's nice to uh, to be here and to actually make a start on this. It's good. Yeah. Um, it it's it feels weird not having Reynolds with us again. I'm I'm bereft of my better half. You know, he's just like we come in here as the visitors and get to join you two legends, and he's he's really the star of the show. So I, I'll I'll try to 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 lift in his absence. <laughs> Visiting lovely LA. All right, so I thought, boys, before we get into it too much, we touch on the big talking points from Pukekohe, and it really was 
that we had five championship contenders going into the weekend, and we really had two come out of the weekend. Well, mathematically, we do still have five, and weird stuff has happened at season finale before. But yeah, odds are, after Saturday in Newcastle, mathematically, they'll just be Jamie Wincup and Scott McLaughlin. And I think that, in in a funny way, kind of frees up everyone else who was in mathematical contention to just go for it and see what they can do because it's a free hit now. Like, there's no championship on the line. The most they can get is third, maybe second if something happens to to one of the top two guys. It's going to be fun. But in reality, it's the top two, it's Triple Eight, it's DJR Team Penske, the top drivers slugging it out. Yeah, and it's arguably the top two guys of the year. It Mm. took Jamie a long time to win this year, but... The, the hallmark of his season has been consistency. He's not been the fastest, you know. That's 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 Scott by far with mm. the uh, the pole record and everything else. And and those two are the ones that deserve to fight for the championship. It's sad to see, um, you know, Mostert kind of drop out because again he was a, a contender for a long time. But you think back to you know Winton when they had that failure, and there's a couple of other instances. Who if that didn't happen, he'd still be in contention. So it's not just like a bad book at Kobe weekend. There was. A bit of misfortune throughout the season. Like Hidden Valley, take Hidden Valley out of it. You could argue that that's where the championship was lost. Forget about Pukekohe. Mm. Yeah, and similar to Coulthard, like just not on the pace at the Gold Coast. It or did, Townsville. Yeah, it didn't matter at um, Pukekohe as much because he dropped the ball in those two events. SVG said he was out weeks ago. Then he said he was back in. <laughs> now he's, he seems to be pretty certainly out. And that's a shame Shaking too. It all about. Because it's the old yeah. hokey pokey trick. Yeah. <laughs> because he's the guy that you'd, you'd kind of back in a, yeah. in a street fight, I think, in, in terms of supercars racing and it, it's funny seeing someone like Scott still there because he had a few shockers but just, did he ever yes his great weekends were so impressive that he was able to, to really make up for that and that's what was kind of missing from the three guys that have effectively dropped out this season well let, let's talk about their weekends it was really those three guys who kind of most of it brought it on themselves most of it I'm going to paraphrase that with inverted <laughs> commas but you know I mean SVG was having a good weekend until he tried to enter the pits on Sunday and ran into the back of Tim Slade, which is a rookie, rookie thing to do. We think his Friday, they parked the car after ten, after 15 yeah. minutes because they just weren't going to do any good with it, just throwing more tyres at it. They needed to make fundamental changes, so he sat out most of that session, yeah. with knowing full well there was a risk of rain in practice too. To come back from that and then win on the Saturday, it's a phenomenal effort. It, he was helped by the safety car a little bit. Let's not. Well, yes. You know, let's not delve into that too deeply. Okay, so wins a win. Uh, correct. It's <laughs> yeah. a W at the end of the day. We'll take it. One hundred and fifty points to zero. Yeah, to in zero. terms of consistency, it was very much like the Shane of old. You know, <laughs> it, it's yeah, true though. Like true, yeah. He used to always talk about consistency yeah. and how there are certain tracks that didn't quite work, and even weekends would go like that. You'd, you'd see him at somewhere like Homebush, for example, where he'd generally win the last race of the year, or he'd be up there that weekend, and then you'd go, "Where was that?" Mm. You know, out of a, a few weeks ago, or there'd yeah. be, you know, some kind of driver error, you know, that you know he'd often own up to, whereas the last few years, you've not really seen that from him. So that was a strange one, particularly given that the championship was on the line and he's someone who, you know, can lift for the occasion. Mostert was the one I felt for kind of the most over the weekend because he had a clumsy Saturday where he, you know, him and Reynolds had the dive and then he couldn't get first and kind of caused that incident inadvertently caused the incident with Reynolds and Coulthard. And then Sunday got caught up in the PRA dive bomb from Waters. Where they, that, and which was bad. If, you, if you're going to crash into anyone, make sure it's not your teammates. Four other title contenders. Teammates. Yes. Four other title contenders to run into, and he runs into the one from the same garage. Yeah. Oopsie. Mm. That, that, was, that was, yeah, that's bad. No. Yeah, I've got no words for that. Yeah. No, and then there's nothing kind of else. That said, if, that said, if you're going to do it, do it when your two team bosses are out of town. <laughs> that would be an awkward, awkward team brief Ooh. this week, yeah. I think. Yeah, and, and for them to lose that form they've kind of found over the last few weeks yeah. too. Like Everyone's talked about the second half of the season for them and how much they've kind of lifted the game, especially for the Enduros. And then to have, I guess, as you know, other people refer to it as, again, that the PRA of old, you know, shooting mm. themselves in the foot, mm. which is what they were renowned for, I guess, for a long time, that not quite meeting the expectations of the fans and their supporters. Um, yeah, real shame to see Chaz kind of go out in that fashion. And obviously, it was kind of encouraging in a, in a weird way to see him own up 
mm. on yeah. Saturday as well. Like yeah. it's it's rare for sports people to offer such candor and honesty and just you know he made his way into the garages to to front up to the other teams and and really put himself out there and say yep this is me I've stuffed it I'm sorry you know yeah. and that was also a th- something that effectively ended two championships yeah mm. the the other guy I felt sorry for out of the Sunday schmozzle was Frosty because he was having probably one of his best weekends of the year well he's finally found form in that car and finally feels comfortable in it yeah and then it ends to not much yeah like you could see him he looked happy on a Friday. Yeah. That's probably the first time this year you could say that. Mm. He looked happy and confident in his race car. And don't forget it's been a year since he's won a race over a year since he's won a race now. Yeah. Yeah, Last, you could, yeah. You could make a pretty strong point that he's now the third car at PRA. Like he was a champion twenty fifteen, defending champion last year, but didn't really do much to defend that, did he? And this year, like the rise of waters to become a race winner, um, you know, that kind of he's I think he might have even been ahead on the points where he was at one stage. and then oh, he, is. he currently is now after that weekend. Yeah, and then you have Chaz as well who's returned after you know a tough 2016 returning from his injury. So for Frosty, this, this, the timing of his uh, slump couldn't have been any worse if you mm. think about it. And now they've got, you know, if you believe the rumours, Stanaway waiting in the wings and that's another one who can kind of, you know, potentially mm. move him move past Frosty. There's going to be a lot... If that comes to fruition, there is going to be a lot of racing for the boom in pit stops in PRA land next year. Yeah. To be the first one to actually get serviced and not double stack. Yeah. Well, and the the fifth contender was really, you know, Fabian Coltart, who got, unfortunately, turned around on his roof in that incident with Mostert and Reynolds, and that kind of effectively killed his... Well, he was second in the championship coming into the weekend. Yeah. And now he's more than than one race win's worth out of contention. Yeah, no. Yeah. Which is... it, It must be... Such it, it must be such a shame to have your t- title championship killed like that. Well, I, I disagree. I think again he lost it at earlier races. He he finished on the podium at Bathurst, but there wasn't many stages of the day where you'd say car twelve was up there sure. among mm. the fastest. Yeah. You know, the conditions kind of helped him there. He led the championship going into the Gold Coast, and he didn't really grab the ball and run with it there either. Mm. Like he let the others kind of go past. I mean, him. he's one hundred and seventy six points down. We'll say that he got third or fourth, you know, you're still looking in a good 120. So he'd be, what, 50 points behind Winkup? So he st- would still be relatively in the chase. But you're not think. but at no point have you really thought he is, he's the guy. He is the form guy who will, who the who everyone else has to beat to take this out. Sure. But as you touched on, he led the championship at multiple points throughout this year and to his full credit made the absolute most of the opportunities afforded to him. You look at was it Hidden Valley when Scott sprayed it at turn one. Fabs came through, drove through, drove through. I think, five cars to reach the lead that day. Justifiable win. Same on various other occasions this year where he has been the strongest, but consistently it has not been car 12 that has been the one to beat this year. Yeah, you look at Scott's qualifying form again and just whenever he really gelled with that car, because it's going to take a few rounds to kind of understand the new package and new engineer, but once that clicked... In terms of overall speed, he left Fabian behind, and that was mm. probably when the championship for him was really lost because, you know, he wasn't contending for for wins anymore. All of a sudden, you know, like it was podiums. Yeah. Mm. Well, the, the okay. Well, let's put Pukekohe to the side, but let's just go. It's just like we're down to it. down to at least two, two race winners for for Newcastle, but the the silly season is still is well, well heating up with lots of drivers being rumoured to going to different spots and lots of drivers to be, uh, you know, rumoured to be out. I think it would, and, I, and I've said this before on the podcast, I would think it would be a shame if Will Davison doesn't have a full-time drive next year. Yeah, or he's the reigning, or not the reigning, but he was 2016's Bathurst winner. He was, yep. you know, a race winner at HRT, race winner at FPR. He won in Erebus when they had that, um, that questionable the Benz package, you know, mm. like he really maximise that and kind of helped develop that car to turn into something a lot more competitive than it was. Um, the techno moves not moved out, or worked out rather, but I don't know if you can really point the finger at him for that one if they're the ones that aren't running the latest spec or they lose yeah. an engineer in the off-season and everything else. That's um, that's a hard sell for him. And Well, he apparently he was in the frame at, at Erebus yeah, before return. they went to, to Pasquale, which... Well, you know, is a, I think will be a good move as well. A good move in the long term. Yeah. But, you know, Will's also going to add a lot as well. He's going to 
potentially push Davies, bringing in a lot of technical knowledge, a lot of experience. Yeah. But it does come at a cost. Of course. Um, Which young ADP does not. Yeah. Not well, to the same extent. Exactly. So that's a, a that's an interesting one that perhaps, you know, he's a victim of his own success because as we discussed off air, in this championship, it's so tight that there's 26 really competitive guys. You take away the LDM cards, which are mired to the back row of the grid. At the moment. Yep, but someone's got to be 24th. Yeah. You're going to be in a good car, and you're going to be a good driver, and you're going to be about six to seven tenths off pole position. That doesn't mean you're bad. Mm. It just means someone's got to finish there. Yeah. Mm. And so you're seeing those kind of results. And, um, yeah, it actually reflects poorly upon them, even though they're still doing a great job. It's There's a lot of other moves up and down. I mean, I think, I mean, Di Pasquale's got big, Wraps on him. I mean, and some fresh blood's good. Yeah, hmm. absolutely. You know, and even Reynolds, who's not with us and we can't defend himself, but our good uh, friend, <laughs> our very good, our learned colleague, um, said that when he tested the car with um, Reynolds, that when Pasquale tested his car, that he was rem- uh, remarkably impressed. Yep. And he's got some big wraps on him, so it'll be interesting to see what he does in that Erebus car next year. Yeah. Well, again, like fresh blood's important, and um, they're taking a long-term bet with him. He's someone who's not necessarily a championship contender in Super 2, but he's shown enough mm. to, to warrant this opportunity. And again, for one evaluation day, to, for the team to say, that's the direction we need to go in, Yeah, that's, um, that's a, a pretty impressive uh, feat for a young guy. And you look at his background too, he's not really been in supercars that long. He went from Australian Formula Ford to open wheels over, overseas with very little money and did the best he could, probably learned a lot as a person. Yeah. You know, when you're going overseas and really throwing yourself in the deep end, not knowing anyone, not knowing the language. Won a championship as well. Yeah, like yeah. against some pretty promising guys. So he's he's well-credentialed and he's probably more mature than a lot of the guys that have remained home in that sense, mm. even though he's not been in a supercar that long. Well, the uh, for those listeners that have been with us throughout the year, they would have known that we've been hinting about the moth thing since about Darwin. <laughs> that he wasn't going to be in the in the GRM car because that uh, you know and you know Gold, that Golding will probably get that seat. There's a lot of there's a few youngsters that are going to come in next year that have got some big wraps on on them, and Golding could be one of those as well. For sure, but then equally for those guys to come onto the grid, there's the potential here that we're saying goodbye to a lot of good yeah. good talent who have very established in the category, Bathurst winners, race winners, pole pole position winners, guys who have on their day and it consistently at times proven themselves to be among the fastest out there. And they're also guys who are, to a to an extent, household names. Mm. Like, if we're saying goodbye to Moffat, we always, we always talk about the rich history of the sport. Moffat's a big name. Sure. Not having him yeah. on the grid and a guy who, again, race winner, capable of setting pole positions. That's a big loss to the category. Yep. Yeah, yep. and it, it'd be. Does he what? Does he is in an automatic start for a co-drive seat? If that's what he wants. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and at this stage of the season, you're kind of seeing the, the the front end of the grid is essentially parked up. They know what they're doing. You know, mm. well in advance. They're mm. the, it's a buyer's market in that sense. So they they can kind of dictate who goes in and out. So it's really this year in particular. It's the lower half of the field where. A lot of the actions happened, and Techno have slid to the lower half of the field. Yep. Mm. Moffat's, you know, been a, a mid-pack racer at GRM for the last two years, even though that Volvo package was winning races mm. with Scott. Um, you know, potentially Jason Bright's out, and he's not been outstanding at PRA this year. And that's yeah. an interesting one because you look at his career, and where does he sit amongst like fellow supercars drivers? He a, a Bathurst winner at a young age. Yep. He, Went overseas, did the champ car thing, didn't quite work out. Yeah. Came to HRT, won a few races, was always in good com- like good competitive machinery. Um, had that renaissance car of the future at BJR mm. and his mm-hmm. experience and knowledge really kind of led the team forward there. And he made it clear at the start of the year, this was a two-year deal and he wanted to continue and now he's potentially moving out and there's talk that he's going to sell his wreck somewhere else. So... um you yeah, where at, he stands is kind of fascinating. You look at his rate of progress throughout the year, though. Okay, that car was more often than not towards the back of the field, but as the year's gone on, it's car 56 has moved up and up and up. In the last few, like, he's been qualifying in the top 10 with his teammates. So it's not like he, it's not like that's Frost, Frosty, Chaz, and Cam, then Daylight. you wait for Brighty to turn up. It hasn't been like that mm. towards the back end of the year. 
And he's, he's, had a, he's had a young engineer this season as well. Yeah. Mm. And he's also been in and out of different chassis. Yeah. So, you know, you crash a car, that's a reality of racing and that doesn't help. But yeah, as Will said, he's, he's improved and now it looks yeah. like he's potentially on the outer when he's got more to give to the team, you know, yeah. more than he had at the start of the season. Yeah, it hasn't been a mega year. It's more been a solid year for him. Oh, I'm not going to acknowledge that. <laughs> <laughs> you get, the other thing to look at with PRA, if they were to get rid of Bright or encourage him to move on, that's a lot of experience you're letting walk out the door. And that's something that you look at the rest of their driving roster Frosty all of a sudden becomes the most experienced driver there. And he's yeah. got, what, quickly doing the sums in my head, the best part of, what, 12, 13 years in the category full-time? Mm. Yeah, rounded up. Yeah. And then Mostert is next with... Came in four? in 2013, halfway 2013, through. Yeah. yeah, QR. Yeah. i tell you what, if if the Stanaway move comes off and he goes at PRA, gee, that's a good lineup. Yeah, it reminds with Waters, you. Stanaway, you know, Mostert and Winterbottom. Like I said, racing for the boom. Yeah. His um, elevation into a full-time drive, if it kind of comes off, reminds me a lot of Ambrose. Mm. Someone who no one really saw coming through the junior ranks over here because they went overseas and tested himself. And you look at his resume and it's it's fantastic. You know, GP2, World Endurance Championship, really competitive series at the, the, the top end of world motorsport. And he's had success there. And, you know, last year in the, the uh, what they called Super Black Car, he jumped right in and was immediately competitive. He brained the field at Sydney Motorsport Park in Super 2. You know, he hadn't raced a supercar all year. Mm. Then he gets in, he beats the guys that have got co-drives, that have been in the... They've done wildcard races, they've been racing all year, and he just spanked them. Mm. Absolutely spanked them, and including his two teammates at the time as well. Mm. So if he gets in there, it just yeah, reminds me a bit of Ambrose, someone who's capable of immediately coming in and not waiting years to kind of get up to date with the sport and, yep. you know, the, the no testing and understanding the cars. He'll be there and be competitive. Why well, see, I think he looked... He looked confident and relaxed, and he looked he looked comfortable ri- dri- driving and racing door to door with other guys, and not afraid to have a crack at passing. Like you saw what he did off the start at Sydney Motorsport Park: two wheels in the grass, three wide through turn one to try and take the lead. It's if he does get a full time drive next year, it is going to be spectacular one way or the other. Mm. Yeah, it's, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. You know, some of these younger guys coming through, it's I, it's, it's I want them to challenge the, the status quo. Mm-hmm. You know, I want these guys to kind of you know like stay if, wherever Stanaway lands. Um, well, you see, to start the, challenging the Triple Eight and the the DJR Team Penske and, and those guys. You see, in the effect of the um, generation change now, in twenty thirteen, you had McLaughlin and Scott Pye, and Mostert, and you know Perkett, Perkett came in twenty fourteen, but they're the ones that are kind of. The next generation, Scott can potentially win this championship. Scott Pye's had a, a pretty great year after what was a, a terrible start to the season for Walkinshaw. He just sits outside the top 10. Mostert, again, was a championship contender. Percat should be doing it better at BJR, but you know maybe next year will be a nicer one for them. And this is that next shift in the generation as far as mm. you know that happening right now. Well, boys, let's look forward to what's upcoming, and that's Newcastle. New track, new circuit, new everything. New everything. Yeah. Newcastle. Newcastle. There you go. <laughs> like 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 Lounsey said earlier in earlier in the show, qualifying will be crucial for the two title contenders. But qualifying it also has the potential to be a bit of a mess because it is a very short track. And as we we've seen at short tracks earlier this year, like Simmons Plains, QR, that will introduce the prospect of the guys at the pointy end of pit lane running into the guys at the opposite end of pit lane as they're trying to do their fast mm. laps. And there's no, as we've seen from all the photos and all the overhead videos of Newcastle, there's nowhere to get out of the way. There's very well, few... There is. Sorry, there are there's few, an ocean. Well, there is <laughs> an ocean. <laughs> On both sides. There's yeah. a harbour and then, yeah. There is that. But realistically, you would hate to see it, but there is the potential that qualifying and potentially the title can be decided by someone running into the back or someone losing a qualifying lap because someone else is in the way. Mm. I, I just think having the finale where you've got Scott and Jamie separated by 30 points going to this complete unknown is probably the most intriguing final race they've had for a number of years now because mm. Homebush became a known quantity. Yep. And more often than not, the, the leader going into the championship would 
would walk out with it. And, you know, you had a couple of times where I think 2012, Jamie had won it before he even got there. Frosty won it on the Saturday. Mm. And you have, like, instances like that, whereas this one, it's it seems unlikely that's going to happen. And that's For great. me, this seems like it's the the most exciting end to the season since 2010. Uh, 2013 was pretty good. Sure. With four guys in with a shot to the end, and yep. then Jamie beat them all on the Saturday. <laughs> yeah, just pants them again. Yeah. Well, they all ran into each other, so... Yeah. But no, I'd, I'd concur with that. Because that was... I mean, that, for me, in recent memory, that 2010 Sydney race on on the Saturday was one of the the best two-horse duels around. It was I mean, it was three, really, but, mm. you know, really down to to Coulthard. It's still to, part of the highlight reels. To Co- yeah, to Courtney and, um, and Winkup. They're all in awesome. the fence. Exactly. <laughs> and then, they, you know, the DJR guys patching up the Courtney's car with... You know, uh, whatever they could find, t- cable ties yeah. and sticky tape, and then Red Bull trying to do it properly and going uh, a true team effort yeah. to win the championship. Absolutely, and now it's like with the same teams. Yeah, you know, and it's exactly it's spot on. Different different contexts and everything else. But yeah, it's kind of nice. That it's come full circle in that way. Mm. So, what are you looking forward to most about Newcastle? Uh, well, as someone who worked at Supercars, to kind of. Um, just witness it come together has been a fascinating experience mm-hmm. because, look, the elephant in the room is there has been some local backlash. Um, yeah. You know, like, there are people that live inside a racetrack, essentially, for better or worse. That's mm-hmm. that's the reality of the situation. It's not really for me to kind of uh, say whether that's good, bad, whatever. It's just what it is right now. Um, and I know there's been a lot of work going into that race as well. Yeah. Um, we spoke about how it could be, you know, Warburton's legacy and everything else. And it's good that the sport sees value in regional New South Wales too because, you know, you've got Bathurst, which is the biggest race of the year. That's in regional New South Wales. This is yep. another one, you know, if you think of it like that. Um, being the unknown quantity, I think is fantastic in a sporting sense. Um, I went and visited the track around June when it was still very much a work in progress and you could kind of see how it was coming together. Mm. Um, the number of civil works they were doing would make those areas, you know, excellent for racing because... Yeah. There's some really narrow streets and some interesting tones of stuff. But that section where it goes past the beach is going to mm. look incredible on TV. And there's nothing like that really in no, the world. No, I mean, I was, I, I went, when I was up at the surf club there, which was on the on the beach um, in mid-year looking at it going, wow. Yeah, that section in particular is yeah. kind of, um, that's the selling point essentially. Yep. So I, I think it's going to be, I hope it's good for the sport. I shouldn't say I think because there's still a lot of... Mm water on the bridge to go. Uh, hopefully it's a, a reasonably peaceful weekend. Yeah. Um, a good crowd going to be there too. Well, that's the hope. Yeah. You know. That well, is it, as you said, regional areas, supercars is strong. It's the heartland of the sport ultimately. Like I'm originally from North Queensland and I still remember back in 2009 when the show finally came to town and standing trackside when Scaife went out for his first sort of ceremonial lap of the circuit in a supercar and then watching the crowd roll in over the course of the following days... It's it's a huge deal. Like it's easy to sit back and sort of think of it and focus on all the championship elements, but for a region like that to finally get an event like this, this is absolutely massive. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm personally a little bit gutted that it went to Newcastle. Oh, me too. You know, I thought it would have been great around. Uh, Gosford would have been the, the main streets of Port Kembla <laughs> through the steelworks <laughs> <laughs> next to the ocean. Saw some whales down there the other day. Beautiful. Did you? I love your, it. Oh, wow. God's country. So, and you saw a supercar, funnily enough. Yeah, I did. Saw uh, one of the Freightliner cars down there. Okay. It's been been a great few weeks in the push bike, let me so tell you. It's a little lost for the Freightliner car to be that... Maybe they got an early engagement. Yeah. All oh, right, okay. You know. So what are we going to be talking about after Newcastle? What's going to be the main oh. talking point? Well, I personally think we're going to be talking about Jamie Winkup having seven, seven titles. titles to his name. Okay. And here's, here's why, right? Because personally, I think... What Scott's done this year has been great for the sport. He's just an excellent character. The media really respects him because he's always been so good to them too. Um, to see the Shell DJR cars kind of draw that historical element back in and be at the front, that's great. For Roger Penske, one of the, the leaders in motorsport, it's fantastic that he's been there. But I think there's a number of things that really play to Jamie's advantage going to Newcastle. First being the points. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 10% advantage of what's potentially available. So don't discount that. Um, the Triple Eight cars have been really good at street tracks. So Shane swept Adelaide, Jamie won at Townsville. The Gold Coast was a bit 
you know, kind of hard to read really there. But I think that they've got enough speed there to be able to really challenge the shell cars. The fact that he's going to have two teammates out of contention that can potentially help him is going to be massive. And I also think that it being an unknown quantity, having two car or three cars instead of two to learn the track and really throw more things out if it doesn't quite work out will be a huge boon for them. So I think looking at it logically, it's Jamie's to lose. That's a fair assessment. I I sincerely hope that whatever happens, we're just on the Monday afterwards talking about what a fantastic final mm. deciding race it was and that it came down to the closing stages. The two guys who have been the class of the field all year, like, you can't really ask for much more than that. Unless it's Bathurst 2016 spec where we're talking about it for weeks after. <laughs> you know, where it's always in the news and it's un-Australian. There's, no ver- there's no grass verge for anyone to run over and rejoin, though, <laughs> as far as I can see. Unless no, they take the... Um, Oh, the hover route across the ocean. <laughs> they could do that. Rejoin it. All right, movies. so, Lewis, you're saying Wing Cup win? The logical part of my brain, the Spock part, yep, is, is going <laughs> okay, Wing Cup. You need to go with your head. Yep. Will? Go with your heart, Will. Leave car long car 17. Car 17. Purely because it's been quick all year, with the exception of surfers, but at a track where no one has any prior advantage or disadvantage... I'd back Ludo in to come up with something clever. 30 points over two races is not a lot. So all you need to do is finish... You need to win by one. Or half in F1. But mm. yeah, just just by one. Mm. You know, at least finish two or three cars ahead. It's done. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, boys, for your time this week. Thank you. Wrapping no up bookie. worries. It's been an awesome, awesome week. Uh, and we will see you for a full season debrief. After Pookie. And a gala debrief, perhaps? Well, no, no gala debrief. <laughs> I will, actually, after Newcastle. We'll be back after Newcastle. He's still technically right. It would be after Pookie. Well, that's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yes. After Newcastle, we will debrief the whole season and our favourite talking points and everything. And we will have... Hopefully David Reynolds. <laughs> a champion crowned. And we'll be able to carry on. Lovely. Thanks, boys. See you in a couple of weeks. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.